Thank you to all of you for all that you have done in this last month and the ways in which you've come together with your time and your resources and um, just given of yourselves again and again and again in order that we as a church might carry out our vision of being a blessing to our city and taking the good news of Jesus Christ to people in word and deed. So thank you, thank you, thank you. What you saw there was just a, a sampling of all that's happened just kind of as we've pulled together in this last month. And just so thank you so much to all of you for your, your great leadership in that. We just so appreciate it. And thank you to Devaney and Kathy that were just here with the musical selection. Devaney's a, a music student at Acadia University. It's great to have she and the other college students home for the last few days. And uh, thank you for bringing that gift to us as well. You can picture David peeking between the curtains, looking out over the street from his office window at the palace. He sees TV satellite trucks from all the major networks. His security detail has created a perimeter, but there's hundreds of people standing outside his palace, taking pictures, live tweeting, reporting the news on location, all of them wanting to get the scoop. After all, an attempted overthrow by a son, which results in his death, a rape inside the palace and the murder of the rapist by his brother, an affair, a baby, a murder, and a cover-up. Any one of these in and of themselves would be enough to cause headlines for weeks, let alone all of them together. And as David, who's standing there by himself, closes the curtains, sits down and places his head in his hands, closes his eyes, and exhales deeply, he says these words to himself, which so many have said before, and so many have said since. How did it get to this? Well, we're back into the story. We took a little four-week hiatus, which allowed you, I know, all kinds of time, not only to get caught up, but to breed ahead, right? All of you are well into the prophets, yes, maybe. Some of you broke into the gospels over the holidays, maybe. Well, we're back in, we're reading as a congregation through the scriptures. You can find a reading plan in the foyer. If you don't have a Bible, please take one and start and join along with us. Read as much as you can. If you don't get your readings done, don't quit. Just skip ahead. It's a free pass every week. You can skip ahead and just start again next week. And we're reading together not just for the sake of kind of reading through the Bible. We actually believe that the discipline of reading Scripture every week is transformational in your life. That if in 20 years from now you're going to look back and say, you know, reading Scripture on a regular basis has been one of the most significant spiritual activities that I have done and held to. And so we want to kind of entrench this. We're doing it together. And so we hope that you'll join us as we do so. And we took a little break over, over our Advent season. And when we left it off, David had just become king. He had just killed Goliath. Saul and Jonathan had been killed. And we're all kind of wondering, what is this new David guy going to be like? There was so much fanfare about him becoming king. There was so much excitement when he kills Goliath. And from the get-go, it looks as if David is going to be a different kind of of king, maybe one of the most spiritual and God-centered kings that all Israel had ever seen. But in the section of the readings that we had this week, we see a leader who has completely collapsed, who started to believe his own press and his family is in tatters, and there's been three significant tragedies in his life. And because it's so much more fun to talk about someone else's problems than our own, shall we review David's problems? The first was known as David and Bathsheba, probably the most popular of David's uh, issues. 
David's men had all gone to war and David had remained home. He's on his roof and he sees a beautiful woman bathing and instead of turning away, he lingers too long. How long is too long, you ask? Well, there's enough time for him to call all of his servants over, for them to look her up on Facebook and send messengers to go and to retrieve her. That is way too long. He has an affair with Bathsheba. She becomes pregnant and David starts looking for a way to cover it up. I mean, he's the king after all. He's got resources. He brings home Bathsheba's husband from war, hoping that maybe the two of them will be intimate and they'll have a baby and no one will know the difference. Unfortunately, Bathsheba's husband is a man of honor and integrity. Finally, David's running out of ideas, so he sends Bathsheba's husband back to the front line and ensures that he does not come home alive. So David has covered up the affair. He's gotten rid of the husband. It seems to be all taken care of, except for one tiny detail the Lord, (laughs) which if ever you are trying to hatch a plan that you think is perfect and no one will ever find out and you've got every detail covered in your own mind, just remember that other detail, the Lord, that the Lord can and will intervene in the situations. That's tragedy number one. Tragedy number two, the rape of Tamar. We won't spend a lot of time on this one. It's tragic. David's son rapes his half-sister, David's other son, Absalom, tries to cover it up and eventually has his brother murdered. Tragedy number three, still with Absalom. David's son, who has killed his brother for raping his half-sister, is so frustrated with his dad's lack of leadership, so frustrated at seeing David kind of take his foot off the gas, that he grabs some of David's staff and they rise up to take over the kingdom and they launch a coup. David has to flee for his life and he finds himself again in the wilderness, like the days of Saul, running for his life. Now, David wants the kingdom back, but he doesn't want his son hurt, so he says these these exact words to his men. Be gentle with the young man, Absalom, for my sake. Because David has slipped in leadership, his own men don't even keep his orders. They find Absalom, they dig a hole, and they pile him with rocks, and he's killed. And then we have one of the most tender passages of Scripture when David hears that his boy has been killed and he says this, Oh, my son, Absalom, my son, my son, Absalom, if only I had died instead of you. Oh, Absalom, my son, my son. And here we have David, the young shepherd boy who believed that God could use him to kill Goliath, who worshipped wildly, who inspired the troops, who the crowd screamed, Saul kills thousands, but David kills tens of thousands, who brought the tabernacle back into Jerusalem, and he's standing here, and his life is in tatters. And he asks the question, and we ask the question, how did it get to this? And if we're honest, it's not just David who asks this question. Maybe you've asked it about yourself. Maybe you've asked it about people in your lives, family members, maybe a friend of yours or a coworker. There's been a major situation in your life, and you've stopped and you said, how did it get to this? Now, the answer, I think, lies in a situation earlier in David's life that we're going to look at here this morning. So I invite you to turn with me to 2 Samuel chapter 6. 2 Samuel chapter 6. We're going to start reading at verse 16 and read through to 23. 
Just to set the stage, David has become king. One of the things on David's to-do list when he became king was to bring the Ark of the Covenant, which was symbolic of God's presence, back to Jerusalem, back to the capital city, just to kind of right a wrong and to make everything just kind of perfectly harmonious. This was important to him, and he's, he has accomplished it after a, a number of setbacks. Now, this story that we're going to read about is not going to get Wolf Blitzer on your front lawn reporting live. It is not so dramatic and scandalous that it's going to really register on anybody's radar. But I think it's important. Let's just read it together. 2 Samuel chapter 6, starting at 16. As the ark of the Lord was entering the city of David, Michal, daughter of Saul, David's wife, watched over from a window. And when she saw King David leaping and dancing before the Lord, she despised him in her heart. They brought the ark of the Lord and set it in its place inside the tent, and David had pitched for it. And David sacrificed burnt offerings and fellowship offerings before the Lord. And after he finished sacrificing the burnt offerings and fellowship offerings, he blessed the people in the name of the Lord Almighty. Then he gave a loaf of bread, a cake of dates, and cake of raisins to each person in the whole crowd of the Israelites both men and women, and all the people went to their homes. When David returned home to bless his household, Michal, daughter of Saul, his wife, came out to meet him and said, How the king of Israel has distinguished himself today, disrobing in the sight of the slave girls and the servants as a vulgar fellow would. David said to Michal, It was before the Lord who chose me rather than your father or anyone from your house when he appointed me ruler over the Lord's people Israel. I will celebrate before the Lord. I will become even more undignified than this and I will be humiliated in my own eyes. But by these slave girls you spoke of, I will be held in honor. And Michal, daughter of Saul, David's wife, had no children to the day of her death. Now, no one is going to hear that encounter. If you were standing outside the house and saw that take place, no one is going to run off and tell this as a major scandal or a major headline. And here's what I want to suggest to you this morning. This is the beginning of David's undoing. David's tragic crisis did not happen all at once. It grew over time. And as we look back over David's life, we start to see a slow fade. New ways of treating people. New ways of acting. New ways of thinking. And we see a little things get left unchecked turn into big things. The little things in David's life that don't get corrected and that don't get cleaned up start to grow and grow. They become normal behaviors and they grow and they grow. And a slow but subtle change of course takes place and it leads to these tragic events. And I know what you're thinking. Seriously? An argument between a husband and wife? That's not a very big deal. I mean, David, a husband embarrassing his wife in public? I mean, come on, that happens every day. It's our great joy. Michal using some biting sarcasm? I mean, that's not a big deal. And David shooting back with an insult, in particular insulting his in-laws? How big of a deal is that? Going to bed angry, the champagne bottle unopened? How big of a deal is that? And whether David was wrong or Mikkel was wrong, what we see in this conflict is things start being left unattended to. The small things, the little things don't get dealt with. Take these events, maybe add five or 10 or 20 more like them, not being dealt with, 
being ignored, bake them at 350 for three years, four years, five years. And it grows into what we have is the mess of David's life. And as we read this little simple story about a spat, an argument, a disagreement, we wonder, could this have not been held, helped, handled differently? What if da- how much pain could David have avoided if this situation had been handled differently? I mean, what if David had heard Mikkel and heard her say, I would have liked to have been a part of that today. Or, dancing in your underwear in front of slave girls is not an appropriate behavior. It would mean a lot to me if you would not do that again. What if Michal had been able to celebrate with David and not attack him with criticism? Proverbs says that a nagging wife is like a dripping faucet, and I heard one translator say, which means you cannot waterboard your husband into better behavior. What if one of them had just said, sorry? What if David was as concerned with his family as he was with his career and with his popularity? What if Michal had been able to celebrate her husband's success and not let the insecurities get the best of her? All of these things, how it could have changed the trajectory of David's path and the trajectory of his life because the little things become big things. And it becomes important that in this moment there's a need for a little bit of an intervention. Let me just, just time out. Let me give you four quick suggestions that I would suggest to you if you are in a situation where you think, you know, Maybe there's some things we need to chat about, or I need to chat about with a friend or a coworker or a family member. Let me just throw these out to you quickly. First of all, ask yourself, what's the real issue here? If you feel like there are some issues in your life or something else, someone else's life that are small right now but have the potential to grow, locate the issue. For Mikkel, the issue may have been her insecurities. It wasn't David's dancing. In your life, him being on his phone might not be the issue. The issue might be you just are tired of being ignored. What is the real issue? Second, find a good time to have the discussion. May I suggest to you some times that are not good? Dinner, right before bed, on the phone, or in the church foyer. None of these are really great spots to have the conversation that needs to be had. Find a good time to have the discussion. Stick to the issue. Notice how David totally destroys this conversation and any hope for it being redemptive. He decides that he's going to attack his wife's father-in-law her father he's going to point out the most tender of issues in their life and in their story and in their marriage and he's not just going to poke it he's going to pour fire on it and set it ablaze by reminding Michal that God chose him not her dad to be king of Israel what we see in David here he has no interest in learning in this conversation he has no interest in getting better and hearing out his wife all he cares about is winning This is the scorched earth approach. When I don't think I will win, I will insult and I will wound. Resolving any issue requires discipline of sticking to the issue. Lastly, always end any of these discussions with encouragement. A word of encouragement is the best way to end any of these conversations. Affirming a strength, affirming a gift, affirming a love or an emotion. All right, back to the story. So the story, we were reminded that the little things left unchecked turned into big things, and this dramatic mess of David's life did not just happen. It had been happening. To steal the language of casting crowns, there had been a slow fade in David's character. There's an interesting reference in the passage which tells us David, leader of the military, did not even know who his best fighter Uriah was, Bathsheba's husband. He was disconnected. 
David was not at war with his men. Instead, he was on his roof looking at women bathing. This is the equivalent of staying home from work to look at pornography. David was fading. We see that David starts to believe that he's unsinkable. He's unstoppable. He's untouchable. I can kind of do what I like because I have wealth and power and I can cover up my sins. And while David is fading, his family is crumbling. And so the story of Michal and David fighting offers us a reminder today to deal with the small things before they become the big things. And being this the season of New Year's resolutions, taking stock of our lives, let me ask you a few questions. Are you fading in your character in any way? Are there behaviors that may even be, not be sinful at this point, but if it continues in this direction, it could lead to a significant crisis or challenge in your life? Maybe you're changing your travel route to see that person. Maybe it's the way you're handling money, slightly fudging the numbers here and there. Maybe it's a growing tendency to talk about people in a very unflattering way. Maybe it's leaving out details of your day. Maybe it's having corners in your life where secrets can grow. And maybe you're pushing back at me and saying, hey, it's not a big deal. It's a small thing, to which I would say yes, and that's the point. If left unchecked, the small thing, what will it grow into? Or maybe the small thing has become a little bit of a bigger thing, and even as I'm saying this, you're thinking of moments where you've realized some of my small things are becoming bigger things, and I'm not in the mess yet, but I can see it from here. As we meet with people in moments, and as you've talked to people who've had moments of personal crisis, there's often a sense of shock like David that says, I cannot believe that this has happened to me or that this has happened to us. And yet, as they tell their story, you can start to see how over time things came to be. Passive husbands, negative wives, workaholism, busy schedules that leave no time or energy for needed conversations, throw in a meddling family member, the loss of a job, a, a family loss and some grief, a few secrets, a half-truth, conveniently left out facts, an email account that nobody knows about, some glances and some second glances. And you don't have to be a rocket scientist to start to put the pieces together. That when little things are left unchecked, they can become the big things that cause so much pain and so much heartache. And this story then becomes a gift to us. A gift to us in the sense that it just challenges us just to take a moment, take this opportunity of this New Year's and the resolutions and all the conversations around that, just to take a peek on the inside and say, are there any little things in my life that I'm ignoring, leaving unchecked, feeding, allowing to grow, that, you know, down the line, give another year, could be real challenges for me and for those I care about. There's a story about a large tree that fell on a house in a storm. It wasn't a particularly dangerous storm, but it had been a bit windy, and the tree fell right on the house, cracked a hole in the roof, hole in the roof and the rain poured into the house, completely messing it up and causing mold and great damage. An expert was come on in to remove the tree from the house. They were cutting off the pieces and the branches and, and bringing it off bit by bit. And the whole, the neighbors were kind of standing around watching this tree get removed from the roof. And one of the neighbors who was particularly curious, who also had a large tree in his yard, why did this tree fall down? It wasn't that stormy. I've got a tree that same size in my yard and it didn't fall in, in the same weather. So he goes up to the guy removing the tree and he says to him, 
Like, was there a particular gust of wind that you think would have brought this tree down? And the guy says, it's no surprise at all to me that this tree fell. This tree has been falling for a long time. It's slowly been rotting on the inside where no one can see, and it was just a matter of time. One of the gifts that God gives to us is those moments to pause, those moments to reflect, those moments just to take stock of where we are and where we're heading and saying, hey, could God be providing us today a gift to change course, to end something, to renew something good, and to give our lives to him again and say, Lord, I want to follow you and have your, let you have your way with my life. Let me pray for you. Lord, we're grateful for opportunities that the scripture give to us as we read through someone's life and story to learn from it, to grow from it, to become wiser because of it. As we reflect on David's life and the difficult circumstances that he and his family navigated, we just take a pause this morning to reflect on our own lives and to say, hey, Lord, show us if there's any small things that left unchecked could really cause some heartache and some brokenness, some things that would not bring you honor, would not bring you glory. And Lord, we are grateful that in the midst of that reflection, your Holy Spirit there with grace and truth will attend to us and care for us. We thank you for friends and for family who can walk with us and help us in these times as well. But we give you thanks today in Christ's name.